Hey guys, welcome to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Diana Lee. I spent years steeped in diet culture, obsessively weighing, measuring, and tracking my food. In 2019, I ditched macro tracking for good, and now I've made it my mission to help you swap diets for real food freedom. It's time to unfuck your mindset and stop letting food control you. Let's dive in. For this episode, I brought on a colleague and friend, Drew Shemp. Drew and I have both been in the CrossFit space for some time, but we didn't cross paths until more recently when we started coaching at a strength and conditioning gym here in California called Performance 360. As two people who have both had experience with fitness for much of our lives and have also had extensive careers within the fitness realm, we have a lot of insights on training through the ages. In this episode, we talk about the mistakes that we made when we were young, how our approach to fitness has changed as we've moved into our 30s, and lessons that we've learned from the people that we've trained who are 60 and over. There are definitely quite a few nuggets within this episode that will be so valuable to you if you're looking to take a train-for-life approach to your health and fitness, and I hope you enjoy. Let's dive in. So let's start things off with introducing yourself. Tell the listeners a little bit more about you and your history, particularly in the fitness space, both from like uh, a professional and personal level, because you've got quite a bit going on there. Yeah. So my name is Drew Shemp. I have been in some level of fitness since I was four or five years old when my dad threw me in the pool for swim practice. And so I swam from the age of four or five to about uh, 22. I swam through college on a scholarship for through two and like two and a half semesters um, and started coaching swimming when I was around 12. They the swim program that I was in had like uh, youth coaches coaching younger swimmers as well then. So I was doing some form of coaching and just sort of like, you know, uh, uh, speaking to people that early and getting comfortable with that. So as you can probably attest, I am very comfortable and just saying whatever comes across my mind. Yeah. Um, but then uh, coaching some sort of fitness specifically in like a, you know, CrossFit gym or a weight gym, weight room gym. I probably started around 18 or 19 years old and have been doing it ever since. And I'm 37 now. So that's a long, long time to be doing that. I don't think I realized that you had started coaching fitness as early as 18. Yeah. So that was sort of like in the first sort of heydays of CrossFit too, like kind of when it first started, you know, really getting out there, you know, and Worked a lot with people in HQ when I started because that was kind of all that was around on the West Coast was was just you know the uh, the Lori Glassy and the and the Dave Castro and like Greg Glassman like you know I've met those people a couple times and so there's a lot of grassroots inspiration in those in those people for sure. Yeah. So when did you make the transition from? doing more sports and athletics to like genuine fitness, like working out. When did that transition happen? Yeah. So at like 20, I feel like every swimmer goes through this. You, you swim, you swim, you swim, you swim, you swim, and then you're over it. And I think I was like around 19 or 20 when I was just kind of getting burnt out of swimming. And I still swam for another year and a half after that. I just got tired of swimming and I went to a CrossFit gym in Walnut Creek. Shout out, uh, shout out 
Walnut Creek CrossFit, if you're still around, God knows. So I went, I went there and I literally just sat on the rower. I didn't do anything else. I sat on the rower and, um, because I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's whole body. It's kind of like rhythmic, like swimming, you know? And so I think it literally started, I was like, well, I'll probably come in here one or two times a week, you know? And I was still swimming because like, that's the only thing I knew I, I would, I would do that one or two times a week. And then, you know, somebody was like, Hey, Drew, do you want to do this workout? It has, um, first you're going to do 21 thrusters and then you're going to do 21 pull-ups and then you're going to do 15 and then you're, you're like, Oh yeah, that doesn't look so bad. And so when I did that and, you know, got completely leveled by everybody because I was just a string bean, you know, relative to everybody else. I, you know, didn't, I was lean, but I didn't really have any muscle mass. But so, you know, there's some sort of addiction that comes with breaking your body down, I think, to a certain extent, especially when you're young and you can do it like eight times in a day and then eat a box of fruity pebbles and go to sleep and wake up and do it again the next day, you know? So again, around like 18 or 19 was when like swimming you know, swimming was majority and then a little bit of fitness and then, you know, fast forward three months and it's like kind of even and fast forward another three months and it's like, okay, we're going to do fitness six days a week and I'm going to swim one day a week. And that's basically what I'm on now. So. Yeah. And it just gradually transitioned that way, but you're right. It's Mm -hmm. that initial, especially when you're young and you're in your twenties and doing something of the likes of like CrossFit or for me, I was introduced to spin classes really early on. And it's like that sweat and that grit and where you leave it all out on the floor is a very appealing thing for many people. And it really does quickly get you addicted to that style. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you. I think you, when you're young, you see all the things that you're not able to do and you take very, uh, you, you appreciate very little what you can do which is usually a lot, but again, you sort of fixate on like, oh, I have to be able to do this movement or I have to be able to do this skill, whatever it is. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can remember that. Cause I can absolutely, yeah. as to when I like started CrossFit, I got that mindset of, I just want to be really good at everything. And I mm-hmm. threw myself into it. And that's ultimately what led me to like my ultimate mistake, which was overtraining, which yeah. is super common for people who drink or chug the Kool-Aid when they start mm-hmm. fitness styles like that is they just throw themselves into it. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, I think I did that to a certain level, but I also had, I think it was also just timing wise of my life. I was, I was young. I was very into fitness and I wasn't dating anybody. In fact, my wife asked me out twice while we were doing this. And I said, no, each time, because I just wanted to lift more and I just wanted to do more. And, um, you know, she won in the end because now she knocked me up. We have a kid, whatever. So, uh, you know, it all worked out for Jenna's favor. Shocking and shocking as it is, but yeah, I mean, you know, you just you just do it and you do it and you do it. And I don't know what it is, but you just never stop to a certain extent. But yeah, you know. well, that kind of mindset, you know, leads to a lot of mistakes early on. Kind of how I mentioned, I definitely made the mistake of overtraining. I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. But what kind of training mistakes do you feel like you made aside from turning down your wife twice? <laughs> what kind of training mistakes did you make early on in your fitness career probably chasing just numbers and barbells I would say more than anything else you know I had to hit this weight I had to I I, for me the skills never didn't really come naturally but I found that 
with enough practice with like, you know, the skills that are required in a CrossFit field, um, I would get it. And so that's fine. But again, as, as a water athlete, you know, compared to a field athlete, compared to like, you know, track athletes, something like that, uh, generating force against another object is you don't do that in the water. You know, you're just, you're fighting against water that has a constant density, um, science, but you know, the, the movement of barbells and heavy weights was a lot harder for me. So it took me a long time. So my mistake generally was trying to focus on hitting certain numbers when I just didn't have the strength. So to a certain extent, it's just ego lifting, but it wasn't me like, I have to lift this weight because I have to show up my buddy. It was like, I have to lift this weight because, you know, this is what the regional levels the guys are going to hit. So, you know, it was ego lifting, but like, again, I don't remember like chasing a number because I had to prove it. It was just like, I was trying to get there because that's what you had to do basically. So, you know, cause like, I remember trying to back squat. 430 and I strained the left hamstring like bad, you know, like bad strain. Like might have been a tear. I don't know. Who knows? But but um never got a look at, did you? Yeah, no, it was fine. I mean, because uh, you know, I think at the time it was it was pretty uncomfortable, but I still had a lot of function. Literally, the only thing I couldn't do was back squat. And so what was the only thing that I wanted to do? Back squat. I think that's also I, I think that's more a male thing to generally. I think through most of life, right? Like men get injured, like, no, it's fine. I don't need to, it's fine. I don't need to see. Women, I think are a little smarter in that regard of like, oh, this has been going on for a couple of weeks. I should probably, you know, get this checked out. But men are like, ah, it's fine, whatever. So. Yes, no, women are smarter, but we also have higher pain tolerance. So we are That's more true. to like push off our pain and be like oh it's not even that bad it's fine and we'll work through pain in yeah. a, a lot of ways that we probably shouldn't because I mean I did that for many 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 years I was like oh this is fine this is just how life is supposed to be I'm just supposed to be in pain well and I think as a coach too you know like you and I know that you know little little injuries right like the strains the tweaks like it's kind of unfortunately part of the business, right? I mean, you know, like whether you're in a CrossFit, whether you're in a general fitness gym, you know, like inevitably in pushing yourself to a certain extent, that's why you sign a waiver, right? I mean, there's there's a certain risk that you could strain something, that you could do something uh, that would, you know, injure yourself. So, I mean, like, I think, I think I, the, what I always coach our members today too, is you really need to be able to like, this is my first piece of advice for a young athlete, right? It's like, you know, and for, for, you know, a today's athlete, like our general age athlete, whatever point is, you really need to be able to distinguish discomfort and pain, like discomfort's okay. And I know probably in your own injury, injury journey, you know, you've had to tread that line where you're unsure what it is, but a level of discomfort is probably okay. And then I always say, I, I always like to follow that up. In fact, I did that with one of our members last week. Like, well, on a pain scale, what would you call it? A one or a 10? And this person said, uh, a two. And I said, well, there you, you, you failed right there. If it's, if it's a, a half, you need to stop. Because pain at any level is not okay. It's un, un, being uncomfortable. Yeah, you're probably going to be okay. But, but if you have any level of pain, that's a body signal of what you're doing is doing more harm than good. Yes, it's a very low level pain. Yes, I get it. But adrenaline is a hell of a drug. <laughs> so <laughs> the second that wears off, you're hurting big time. So, right. But yeah. and I have that conversation a lot with people is pain is telling you there's something wrong with your body. Like it's literally a survival mechanism that we're supposed mm -hmm. to listen to 
but for some reason we override in a lot of cases and fitness is one of those. And whether it is due to the ego aspect that you mentioned, but sometimes I feel like it's just facing the potential for limitations and people do not want to be limited, especially if they have fitness goals, if they're on some kind of fitness journey, the idea of pain and dealing with pain up front and then being set back by it leads people to push through pain, which then unfortunately is a huge mistake because later on the pain is worse and the setback to heal that pain becomes so much greater. Now, did you find that was your own learning or do you think like your time through uh, time working with Dave helped, helped teach you that? Shout out to Dave Sluss. God knows where he is in the world right now, but um, you know. Yeah, we miss you, Dave. We hope you will. We hope you will. Uh, if you're on a beach, if you're in a building, I don't know. The most frequently interviewed on the podcast here too. But um, yeah, I, I would say a little bit of both because I mean, I ignored pain that I had had since I was literally in my preteen years. So I, and I mean, I got, got treatment for it over the years in and out of PT, trying to get diagnoses that just didn't stick. It was like, I would get a new diagnosis all the time. And then obviously I just kind of gave up on trying to treat it and just said, mm -hmm. well, this is my life. Like I'm, you know, again, I just took back pain as my normal because I had experienced with it. I had experience with it for so long. And then, you know, looking back, I took a year and a half off to rehab, which I don't think is that long in the grand scheme. No. Of, if we really look at how long I was in pain, but if you were to tell anybody, Hey, you're going to take like a year and a half off to rehab, like that sounds like a lot. And yeah, that's a lifetime for people. Of time. Yeah. But when I look back at my fitness journey, I realized, you know, there was always like kind of this nagging annoyance to me with my deadlift. I was like, for how long I've been training and you know, the progress I should be seeing, I was always like, I should be lifting heavier in my deadlift. And there were like a couple other things where I would back squat and I would get these like, like pulling sensations in my body and I wouldn't be able to lift properly. And I look back on that now and it's like, well, duh, my deadlift wasn't that strong. My back was really messed up, which impacted my lifting. And I remember one day someone took a photo of me deadlifting from behind to show me that it looked like one side of my body just kind of collapsed while I deadlift, like it was not active. And it's like, mm -hmm. I wonder why I wasn't as strong as I expected myself to be at that time. So, you know, a couple lessons to pull from this one, you know, had I, you know, ignored my, or had I treated my back pain sooner, would I have had to take as much time off from fitness? Probably not. I think my recovery time would have been a lot shorter had I actually stuck with it and had yeah. and that I felt really worked for me. Two, um, I always firmly believe that when we just let injuries be and we don't properly heal them, now all of a sudden we're not going to be as strong as we capably can be, right? Because yeah. to compensate in one way or another, it's not mm -hmm. going to be the way it's supposed to be. Um, you know, you're dealing with imbalances in a lot of cases. And three, when I talk to people about injuries, you know, and they start to tell me, oh, I've got this like shoulder thing. It's always shoulders. Shoulders are the big ones I see in the back, yeah. like the second most. It's like, this is hindering how you move in the gym and you're pushing through it, but you're not going to get better in the gym if you push through it. And you're also not going to get better unless you heal. 
Well, and I'll also take it one step further is that what I think a lot of people don't realize is that when you are injured, even a small injury, exactly what you just said, you move differently. So technically now all the reps that you're doing on a microscopic level are wrong. And so not only are you not going to get better, but your tech, you're doing it wrong. And so you're going to continue to do it. And let's say it does heal through whatever means, whether you're seeing a professional or whatever. Okay, great. But you just did, you know, anywhere from 200 to 500 repetitions, let's say in a week that were, you know, again, on a microscopic level, uh, incorrect. But again, you multiply that by 200 and 500, that's all of a sudden a much bigger and a much more, you know, like obtuse number where now you've created what's called an imbalance in our world, basically, you know, and, and I think that's what a lot of people will not think about the long-term things, you know, it, uh, one of our members on Wednesday too, is like, well, my foot is still injured. And I was like, well, let's take it out of the equation. Let's do an upper body movement. You know, like, I mean, there's no reason to keep poking at that scab. And I, I, that's what I, that's what I, you know, some of what I try and tell people is just because you can't see it, like it's inside, right. It's inside the shoulder. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. So, you know, if you're, if you're doing something and it clicks every single time in your shoulder, uh, that's, that's telling you, you probably should not be doing it you know? And so you're basically just doing this to the scab and it's never going to heal if you're just sitting there picking at it the whole time. So, yeah, I mean, I like what you said a lot, but yeah, it's just like, I think that's where, where people lose sight of. It's not, it doesn't really matter if you, if you need to take a week or two weeks off on something. Yeah. You're going to lose a little strength in that, but honestly, muscle memory is a very real thing. And, you know, you come back with a fully fresh, you know, uh, back or shoulder and you know how it's supposed to feel and what you're supposed to do. So all of that sort of like newbie mechanics and newbie movements don't really happen as much or don't, don't, uh, you don't do that as much because you know what it's supposed to feel like, you know, that it's what it's, how it's supposed to execute truthfully. And so I think that's, I think it's a lost ideology that, uh, that, you know, members of many gyms overlook, you know, they just like, like you said, they just deal with the pain or they just sort of accept it. And in doing so, they kind of doom themselves to prolong, not maybe not even necessarily an injury, but prolong sort of like uh, falling behind or, you know, like not reaching their full potential as quickly as they could. Right. And I think a lot of it too does have to do with age and how we view aging, right? Like, the thing that I hear most commonly when, especially people in their thirties and over, when they talk to me about injury, they're like, oh, well, you know, I can't do what I used to do when I was in my twenties. And to some degree, yeah, right. Like we could throw our bodies around and get away with a lot more when we were younger. But I also feel like a lot of the mistakes that we made when we were younger were what exactly set us up for failure, for injury mm-hmm. on the line, right? Like for me, it was overtraining and it was ignoring my back pain because I was like more of that at times an ego lifter. And I was very much fixated on, I didn't want to take time off to rehab and be set back. I wanted to simply push forward. And so that's like a mindset that a lot of young people have where they want to work really, really hard, give it their all. You're single, you don't have a family, you don't have anybody else that you have to worry about. So you're going to spend all that time in the gym and do all that shit. But we also underutilize mobility. And like, I knew, I know I like never warmed up properly. And then you get to a certain age and now you're over 30 and you're having all these aches and pains. And now all of a sudden the excuse becomes, well, it's, it's just age. 
<laughs> this is yeah. just getting older. This is how my body is supposed to feel, or this just comes with the territory of aging. And I, to some degree, think that we need to take a little bit re- more responsibility rather than just blame it on age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, with any gym, with any gym too, I think, I think that's the R word is very important. You know, I mean, the, uh, if you take a little responsibility for your what I like to think of is people are coming to the door through our gym now because they want to take responsibility for their health. And it's ironic because they're here to better their health. They're here to improve themselves. And then they run into, um, you know, a speed bump or an injury or something like that, where it's going to potentially slow that down. And so they don't take responsibility for that and for the healing of it. Thus, ultimately left unchecked, they push themselves out to a certain extent. You know, right. Whether it's they're constantly modifying or they're dealing with something that, you know, if you would have taken two weeks off initially, it would have been gone. But now we're in week 10 of you, you know, modifying and changing things around. So you're missing the stimulus that's intended. I think that when you have an injury, not only is it important to tell your coach, obviously, you know, because like if you just start moving, we can, I mean, you and I have been doing it long enough, you know, you start moving like, uh, you can tell almost immediately that something's not right with that movement. So, you know, we're obviously, Hey, what's going on, you know, and not only is it important for you to tell us that we're aware of it, but it's important for us. It's important for you to know that, you know, Hey, you can still work out today just because we're doing back squats and your knees kind of sore. Like, Hey, let's take that out. You know, you can do an overhead press. You can do maybe a pull, maybe a hinge movement is fine for you, whatever, you know? And so, I, I I really don't like it. It really drives me nuts now as like sort of a tenured coach, like when people don't communicate with me with it, because like that's our role is to is to help you succeed in your fitness journey. And I think also too, like with many other things, people think that fitness goes from here to here, but in fact it's, you know, this and that, and then you take 12 steps back and then you go back up a little bit more and then you're getting, you know, somewhere near your thing. And so that's that's what it is, especially as you age too. Some days you know, you walk into the gym and you're like, all right, I'm going to back squat. I'm going to do this. And you start doing that. And you're like, okay, I'm going to sit on the rower. Cause that's all I have right now. So, yeah. but yeah, I think if anything that I learned with getting older and dealing with you're my so young though, I'm you're so, so young. young. Look at you. Your face I... is so youthful. I have the 10 years of, of gnarling all over my face. Yeah, yeah, you got you got more on me, but I had to learn really quickly because of my injuries. Thank God, sure. right? And if my injuries taught me anything, it was okay. Yeah, I couldn't beat my body up like I could when I was twenty three and shouldn't, but it meant that I needed to work out less and mobilize more. And I know as the top one percent of Romwad users, or not Romwad, go Wad. Whoa, users, better get that right. Whoa. go Wad. Go wad users. Go wad mobility. Yes. You, you know, the value in that, but I think also you have a unique perspective because while I reduced my training and while like the general population, I feel should be reducing their training. You haven't necessarily like reduced your training because you're still, you're still operating at a pretty high level. Would you say you're still like actively competing even (laughs) No, but then I had the right people approach me who want to do a team competition next year. This girl, this girl's hell bent. Like it's in November. Like, so she's like, we're doing team workouts once a week. I'm like, all right, I guess we are. So, but I mean, you know, I, I, now I think competing for me is more about like 
like these these three other people that I'm going to be doing it with, like they're fun people. That's why I'm doing it. It's not like anything else more than anything. I mean, and also, it also is, I think it's going to take place in San Diego. I'm not even really totally sure on the exact details of it. So that also helps because I don't own a car. I just ride my bike everywhere. So um, uh, that's not true. But um, so I, you know, I, it's local. So that all, as I, as I've gotten older, like getting me to travel, is just like, oh God, I hate it. So <laughs> So, you know, the fact that I don't have to travel for it is it's like two, two strikes for it. Absolutely. But actively competing, you know, am I going to do the CrossFit Open? Yes, because like, I like that atmosphere. I like those challenges. You know, that's, I think the Open and then, um, you know, CrossFit has taken to the next level. Now we do quarterfinals. And so, um, truthfully, that's where my coach has me sort of probably topping out uh, is in the quarterfinals, you know, um, it's it's getting harder every year as far as like everybody in the field just elevates usually. Right. Like, or, you know, let's say 95% with the other 5% being, you know, whatever they injure injury out or they burn out, you know, which is, which is normal to a certain extent. But yeah, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I think I caught myself doing mobility enough soon and really taking care of my body a little bit more. Uh, like, so if the pillar of fitness is going up, the pillar of self-care also has to meet that because if you just raise this one, then this one gets left behind and eventually it's going to tip over. So I think I was able to level it out soon enough in my, in my sort of older career that I, that, as you said, I haven't had to reduce, you know, my volume or my, my frequency. Um, now, I think definitely the main difference being like, you know, when I was 21 or 22, I think I noticed that I wouldn't really have to take a day off. I definitely take a deload day or a deload week too. But now, you know, I'll just wake up one day and I'm just like, I've, you know, like there's just, there's enough signals. Like I always say, if there's three signals, then I shouldn't do it. Like I'm really tired. You know, my ankle's sore. Uh, my neck's a little tight. And that's three, that's three signals, you know, and, and even after... I, and again, I always fall back to that mobility. If I loosen up a little bit, is it better? Yes. Okay, let's move a little bit. Is it better? No. Okay, well then, yeah, I need to take an uh, actual off day and not do anything. Yeah. Um, which I didn't have to do. I didn't have to do that when I was younger. So that's like, it's it's unfortunate to me that I can't still approach my fitness like that. But at the same time, I don't miss it that much having to train every single day of my life. You know what I mean? So brought up a great point. And this is like my favorite thing that you brought up because I harp on it all the time. And that's when your level of fitness increases, like the level of self-care needs mm -hmm. to equally increase. And I think that that's where people really miss the mark because we frequently yeah. think, especially with, you know, typical fitness goals, weight loss, um, general, like getting addicted to the, the high of fitness, you know, mm -hmm. people think, oh, well, I'm just going to add more training and that's mm -hmm. going to be more fit that's going to make me improve faster that's going to make me progress faster but then they fail to do that self-care piece and that's when our bodies begin to break down especially when we are older because we are a little bit more susceptible to injury we are a little bit more susceptible to feeling more sore or we have like lifestyle factors like you have a kid and you mentioned that like you I don't do best sleep <laughs> Yeah, do you know where they are right now? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it reminds me, I, you might not be old enough for this, but there was a commercial way back in the 80s, like, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, you know, I, um, I I like to coach our members. You know, I, I, I say there's three pillars. There's strength, 
whatever you want to call it strength you know like like built bodybuilding whatever right cardiovascular and then flexibility and so generally people come through the door with strength or cardiovascular you know capabilities to a certain extent mm -hmm. i i rarely have seen someone come to the door and have their mobility really really high when they when they do have that it's it's they move at a completely different capacity than everybody else in the room but so i again how i how i coach that is you know listen you're you're a power lifter you can lift you can deadlift a thousand pounds like that's amazing you know but like if you cannot get into the right position to move the weight or to move your body uh then you're missing again a lot of potential and so by elevating that pillar of flexibility mobility whatever you want to call it and i mean and you just umbrella the term even more and just say body care right i mean like you know just self-care whatever if you elevate that pillar then um usually your pr or your goal whether it be weight loss or strength is on the other side of that pillar most of the time again i would say most of the gp population that comes through to our gym is has a strength has a cardio background but they're missing that that peg in their training and therefore again reach a reach a ceiling much sooner than if they had also elevated that one right and let's put things into perspective too how often are you currently like training right now how many days a week on average how long are your workout sessions i know you do multiple sessions some days right yeah i do i do double days monday wednesday friday and um with the kid there's there's at least one day where it's just me watching her and so sometimes if she goes down for like, she goes down for at least one nap a day. And so um, on the days where it's just me, if she goes down for a nap and I'm feeling good, I might sneak in another extra session. But usually that's like, you know, some accessory and then something easy, like an easy five or 10K on the row or the bike, something like that. And so just, just something to move a little bit because I find myself feeling a lot better mainly mentally than necessarily physically if i just move a little bit you know you kind of get that like you said that high that sort of endorphin going that adrenaline going just a little bit just to get me to move a little bit so but i but i train um six days six days a week usually sunday is completely based off feel if i totally feel crappy i'm going to get the kid and the wife out for a walk and that's about it you know and and mobilize a ton and Thursdays be my other day where I'll do, I did one piece before my 6 a.m. class this morning that took me, I think, 12 minutes. So, and it wasn't particularly high intensity. It was just movement for sort of quality and for pace, right, for about 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, and I, I train a lot and I feel like I train pretty intensely on a lot of things. And there are people who are my age who are head and shoulders better than I will ever be. And so like, I can't even imagine like what they're doing differently or if they're just training way smarter than I am. I don't know. That could be the case, but yeah, sorry. That was a very long answer for no, your very okay. short question. So follow-up question then with how frequently you are training, how much time are you putting into mobility and recovery? Almost one-to-one. -one. So if I'm training anywhere from, uh, you know, I would say my longest days are definitely Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday training wise. I think, I think my coach knows that by Friday and Saturday, I'm still capable, but like the volume has to come down a little bit in order to keep me healthy for the next week and far as I go. So, so Monday and Tuesdays are definitely longer sessions anywhere from like one or excuse me, any, anywhere from like six to eight pieces that I'll have to do per that day. And so that'll take me, 
about two and a half to three hours to finish, whether it be all in one block or whether it be, you know, spread like, you know, multiple sessions. And then my mobility is currently I've, I've for the last, uh, I think a year, I think a year, approximately a year. Anyway, um, I've been doing four hours of mobility a, a day. Four. And, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it truly is almost like one to one. And so I generally will start my training day with an hour, which is if you ask coach Drew, what time he gets to the gym, performance week 60, you, I don't really give a straight answer because it's not a, it's not a great time. But what I've noticed that as of age is that's what it takes basically to get me to move to the point where I feel okay about it. And, and again, at the, at my age, at my level uh, of, of movement, it's, it's not okay to, to feel bad about my movement because that's a body signal right there telling me hey you're doing this wrong like something's mm -hmm. not right so it takes me a minimum of an hour to get unlocked is what i like to call it so that i can move efficiently right um so there's an hour right there and then basically i would say i before bed the kid goes down usually around 7 15 7 30 so that means i usually go to bed within that hour because i have an, usually about another hour to to do that and it it to me, I, I don't hate it, but it does suck. Like, do I wish I could just go right to bed? Absolutely. But I know that if I don't, I'm going to be paying for it the next day, basically. So it's while I found a certain balance to it, and might I say a damn understanding wife, holy shit. But I mean, you know, it, it, um, it's it works i wish there was another way but i just don't think there is sans from having a, a butt ton of money and somebody coming in and like doing it for me right like i had like just a masseuse in the corner like eh, nah, nah. that'd be great but like uh I don't, you know nobody has not everybody has that you know ability so but yeah that's probably the answer that you were looking for like it is one-to-one -one. and so that's and so now you know if we if we think about the general practice the general purpose member who comes in right and let's say they come to to our gym five days a week so that's five hours a week okay that they're training now how many of those do you think are doing an hour worth of mobility or self-care per day after that i would guess about this many yeah <laughs> but yeah i would guess like zero percent absolutely i mean yeah to be fair, I'm not doing, you know, I'm doing about four to five days a week at the gym and I am not doing an hour per se of like, quote unquote mobility, but I mm -hmm. do commit, like, I, I would say my recovery is split between mobility is definitely still something that I do. I do frequent walks like every single day. I use Thor as an excuse, yeah. but I'm walking him like all the time. Um, and then oh, yeah, I, I'm sure Thor looks up and he goes, mom, this sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> no, never. He's like so excited every time, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, you know, my sleep and my nutrition is all on point. Right. And so like recovery, we also see is multifaceted. It's not just sure. mobility, but there's also a ton more that goes into it. But I do think that that's what people miss. Right. And when I, you know, the point I definitely wanted to make, because I knew how much you spent doing mobility and stuff. I don't think I realized it was hours, but I did know that you do it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how you mentioned before, people will look ahead to regional athletes, especially when you do CrossFit, right? Coming into CrossFit, like you have the CrossFit games and that's the aspirational 
aspect that people see. People get really pumped up with the watching the Netflix documentaries because they dramatize basically just like people working out, um, and it looks really cool. And so then people I still remember. Out. I still remember. Sorry, quick tangent. I still yeah. remember the time that I went to regionals and I was like, I paid money to watch people run on a treadmill. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I always used to joke that uh, I did not want to like people be like, oh, are you watching the CrossFit Games? And I was like, I literally get paid to watch people work out regularly. So I am not going to do it for free. hundred <laughs> percent. I never I like I have zero desire to watch any of it because I'm like, I literally see this every day. Yeah. I will watch the highlight reels. I really don't need. Yeah. To see uh, yeah. No, I, I really I literally I could I could I could see you and me be like, oh, man, that was a great clean. All right. Anyway. um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, people will watch that. They'll see that. And it's it's very aspirational. It's very inspiring. And then they work out with those intentions, right? So they'll mm -hmm. try to do double sessions and they'll work out six days a week, but they miss that recovery piece. They don't yeah. realize, you know, and this is something I always try to highlight is a lot of these high level athletes who are operating at that level are on a buttload of supplements to help with recovery, they may or may not have those finances that you were talking about to have like a masseuse or to have like crazy fancy tools that help with recovery. Like they are spending hours of their day doing mm -hmm. mobility because that's part of their training because this is essentially their job. And those top 10% people, whatever it is, they're not doing anything else. Right. That's it. They don't have a job. Their job is to train and just just do that stuff. And they have meal plans, sending them food, all this mm -hmm. stuff. So now we turn around and look at our membership who would say, I would say is at least, uh, it's, you know, let's say 60% of them have kids. Okay. So you have kids one to three, probably whatever. Right. So now you have an eight hour day job. You have responsibilities to get your family ready for the day. You have food to cook. You have, you know, um, laundry to do whatever other house chore you want insert insert all that all that here right pets to take care of all of that stuff you know and um they they think that they're going to be able to, to do all of this crossfit stuff and all this professional stuff and um you know there's not enough time in the day you could have 48 hours in one day it wouldn't it wouldn't be enough right so it's obviously not just boiling down to crossfit like right so now we work at a place that's a little bit more functional fitness like strength and conditioning and whatnot, but I want to make it clear that, you know, I see people doing this in all types of fitness all the time, especially, especially with hit and boot camp group fitness classes, because you see that kind of, you know, that addiction to the adrenaline of like these super hard workouts, the environment that you're in. I mean, I love group fitness for the reason that like you get to make friends and you really enjoy the people that you actually work out with. And it makes working out way more fun but it also then gets and you're in that setting where you're like screw this guy i'm gonna lift more than this guy well yeah then you've got issues with like ego lifting or you've got issues sure. showing up when you're under recovered because you either miss your friends or you don't want to miss the workout and you have workout fomo or you are just so committed to showing up every single day but then lack that commitment to do mm -hmm. the work outside of the gym that is required to help you recover, to help you heal, to help you yeah. move better and thus get better results. And I think that that's really that key piece that many people are missing. And it doesn't have to just boil down to age. I do think age is like the motivating factor that gets people 
finally doing the things that they're supposed to do because our bodies do start breaking down a little bit more. We don't recover quite the same. As you mentioned, like our lifestyles change, like all of a sudden you have a kid, you start sleeping less. Yeah. You're going to recover a lot worse. Yeah, You're 20 and you have no one else to worry about. And that's something that we need to start prioritizing is that recovery piece outside yeah. of the gym and making time for it. What I've noticed too, is that as I've prioritize that recovery specifically like mobility really i probably don't need to do four hours a day like but it is generally one of those things where i kind of fit it in wherever i can whether it's just like a quick 10 minutes here 20 minutes there and it all adds up usually by the end of the day but what i've noticed kind of like training to a certain extent is when you get in the practice of doing mobility right like my hamstrings are pretty loose now, all of a sudden, at this point, I don't need to stretch my hamstrings as much because they're already naturally pretty loose. So generally speaking, the mobility that I'm doing uh, for that long or the mobility pieces that I'm doing mostly pertain to specifically what I am about to do or have just done so that I'm preventing those muscle groups, those joints, whatever you want to call it, staying loose for the practices that I just did and or will are about to do as far as that goes. So that's like, it's, it's not just like, Hey, I have tight hamstrings. And there's going to be like that forever. Well, actually like any other training apparatus, like if you run every single day, eventually you're probably going to get pretty good at running. You're probably going to become very efficient at running same thing with mobility. So it's like one of those things, if you can't even touch your toes, okay, well, you got to start somewhere, you know, like, and over time, it, you're not going to have to spend as much time doing it. But again, I, I, I think I do it pretty frequently and for longer durations, just frankly, because it feels good more than anything else, you know? And I think a lot of people don't believe me, but like, you know, on the days where I don't do something physical, I still go through that mental issue of like, oh, I didn't do anything. I, I, you know, shoot, I feel like crap or whatever. But then I stretch a little bit and because my blood flow is going a little bit, you know, like, oh, well, I did something, you know, like, well, I might as well, if kid's still asleep, let's see if I can do it again, you know, get another session in, something like that. And so, you know, there is some uh, mental reward to it as well, too, because I think it's, it's like you said, when you come to the gym, you're making progress towards your goal each time you do it, but you, but you can take responsibility using our word of the day a little bit more and take that responsibility outside of the gym you can still take your steps towards towards it. Now, I mean, again, putting that to practice for the person who has an eight-hour job who really only has an hour to train, you know, I, I really just say a lot of those people who who are a membership who need that mobility help is I'm, I, I literally just challenge them, like, I need you to do seven minutes before you go to bed, you know? What do you normally go? What do you normally do before you have? Oh, I usually look at memes and send them to my boys. I'm like, yeah, me too. But I do <laughs> mobility before that, okay? Yeah. So it's like, put the phone down for seven minutes and get your hamstrings loose, get your shoulders loose, get your neck loose, like whatever it is. Like, so my, I don't know what your approach is, but my approach to that is for the most part, I, I, I feel like I just kind of made this up, but I, I think it also is, there's some truth. If you keep your hamstrings loose and you keep your shoulders loose, for the most part, everything else kind of falls into place. So I tell people, find a good hamstring stretch for yourself. And like, you know, hamstring, to me, when I say hamstring, it's not just the muscle group. It's kind of the glute and that whole posterior chain, right? Like you need a posterior chain stretch for the uppers and lowers. So that's, so that's your shoulders as well, too. And then I say, find a third stretch that's like for your problem area. Okay, Diana, so your triceps are really large because you have some horseshoes, girl. I filmed you several times. You got some serious muscles on there, okay? So like wherever your trigger area is, Okay, well, you should probably spend some time there, obviously, you know, so. 
I think people's biggest issue though, is they don't know what to do and they don't know what to do, then they're less likely to follow through. So I usually, I mean, I love recommending go wide. I personally use a yoga app mainly because I signed up during COVID and I'm locked into this ridiculously low price that I will never let go. So, but it's great because I use that and it gives me guidance on what exactly to do. And I appreciate that. I like something telling me how much time to spend in a stretch. I like something giving it in like an actual flow so that it feels good. But even, you know, last night, um, I was, I've been really hooked on an audiobook, so I didn't want to have to stop that to watch a yoga flow. But since I've been doing it for however long, I can also just pull out my yoga mat now and just sit mm-hmm. down and stretch. Cause I know what to do. So mm-hmm. I think that's like the number one thing that gets people going is sign up for an app, you know, something that can teach you what to do and something that guides you through the process, set it for, you know, 10 or so minutes. Everyone has 10 minutes a day. You can 10 minutes in your day, especially if you just stop sending so many memes that we can all cut that out and go ahead and spend 10 minutes doing stretching every day. And that's ideally where I want people to start. Yeah. Or at the very least too, you're very good at this too, is, you know, honestly, I think you're one of the few people that I've met that has gone through an injury cycle and then you just know when to stop when your body's had enough and you just get on that stretch immediately. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a, it's, I get it. When you, when you come and work out at 6am in the morning, you're working out at 6am because you have stuff to do. You have to go to work, but in a perfect world, our classes would be an hour and 15 minutes long. And we would cut at like, in my opinion, at the 50 or 55 minute mark. And we spend a good 15 minutes loosening up after that, because there's a ton of data to show that stretching while your body is hot, specifically after a training session is even just for five, 10 minutes is almost equal to stretching for 20 to 30 minutes when your body's cold. Mm -hmm. So it's like at the very least stick around, you know, and just get a couple good stretches in there before you bounce, because like, it's just going to pay dividends off in the long. It's a, it's small chunk investments in your body that will yield big results in the long run and, or just prevent you from, from really getting, you know, seriously injured. But right. I totally agree with you as far as the app goes, if it's, it's a lot easier to have something in front of your face telling you what to do. So like the best fitness app that you can have is one that you're going to use. So like whether it's your yoga, your yoga app or my GoWad app or Ramwad, whatever it is, as long as like, it's like anything else. If you commit to it, shocking, shocking stuff happens, but it works, you know? And so it's like, and again, I think those, your app probably and, and GoWad I know has, you can do something as little as eight minutes. It's eight minutes is like the shortest protocol, you know what I mean? And so, and it hits like whatever, four stretches. Yeah, but you're going to feel completely different at the end of the week for doing just adding that time into your week. So that's always what I recommend is find an app that has like a certain, like has a customizable time frame. Like that was mm-hmm. my always my issue with Ramwad is they had very limited options for how long, especially back when I did it. That was when you were like, you do 20 minutes and then on Thursdays you do 45. And like there really wasn't, there was like one other option. You could maybe do 15 minutes. Um, yeah. I like the fact that with GoWad and with, um, down dog yoga is what I use. You can toggle it based on how much time you have available to you. And there's a lot of options, which is, which really- is way more, way more realistic in the world. 
Yes. And that way you get out of that all or nothing mindset. It's like, if you don't have 10 minutes, but you have five, five is still better than zero. If yeah, you two, two is still better than zero. That's a great point. I mean, that phrase all or nothing is I think in everyone's head about everything lately. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're either this or you're that. Well, there's a lot in between that, you know, and, and so uh, meaning pertaining to lifting weights pertaining to beauty um, practice of getting into self-care, you know, like exactly what you just said, five minutes a day is better than nothing, mm -hmm. you know, and then you got to take advantage of those times when you can do more than five minutes. Absolutely. I mean, so we're also, so we are both quite young. We're still under 40, but we also have had extensive. Uh, I'm 52. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Slipped it in there. Slipped it in there. You had to slip it in. You said you were going to. Yeah, um, gonna. For the record, you're 37. I think you. Might I'm 37. Be, right. So, uh, anybody who's over 40 might be like, I'm not going to listen to these young whippersnappers. I'm dating, mm -hmm. but on um, you know what to do with training and stuff. But I think that we have extensive knowledge on training older generations. I mean, I've trained oh, yeah. people as old as 80. So what? for you, do you feel like is really important with continuing training well into the later years that maybe we have not spoken about yet? So I will lean on one of my favorite examples for training an older individual. And that is my dad. And my dad just saw honestly how much fun I was having training. And my dad was, my dad's an, an amazing guy and has always had my back. And so when he wanted to get into that I immediately jumped on that. So he started doing CrossFit at the plump age of 70. Good for him. What a guy. What a guy. Um, but so honestly, I think for, you know, that age, and really, honestly, you could just say 50 and up, right? Like, I mean, at 50, I think at 50, in my experience with members, you need to have the right coach or the right trainer around you 100%. Because they're going to know immediately, like, just by watching your body mechanics and movement mechanics that, like, okay, like what's the movement that they would always struggle with? Squat snatch, overhead squat, like that just, that'll look, that'll tell me if you broke your toe in second grade when you fell off the jungle <laughs> gym, okay? Like the, the overhead squat exposes everything. But like, you know, there's, by having the right coach walk you through those, through all the movements of whatever your gym does, you know, like the risk, you, I, I think at that point, you just take out the risk reward. You know what I mean? Like, is my dad at 70 years old really going to need to know how to squat snatch or overhead squat? No. You know? And so like, like when he started, I was like, Hey, here's five movements that you're just not going to do. And then he was like, well, what do I do? And I gave him all the subs immediately, you know? And so, so I think, I think again, that goes back to what I started the podcast with where you, um, you zoom in on the things that you can do and not the things that you can't do. And so like, you know, if you, if there's 120 movements, whatever, that's in the toolbox of the gym that we do, that all of the movements that we do, and I take out five of them that are just a little more high risk than reward. Yeah. You still got a lot of tools to work with, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's a matter of not settling, but just being aware of the, um, the movements that may not be good, good for your body, you know, may not be good for your fitness level at the moment. And who knows, maybe in a year, two years time, whatever you acquire that ability. And that's great. That's another success story that you get to chalk in your, in your, uh, on your belt there, as far as that goes, but just really honing in on those good foundational movements and moving really well, you know, that's the priority I, I you know, you've probably at least heard me coach this to some of our members currently too, is like, you know, 
make it move or make it move so that it doesn't feel awkward. Just make it so that it moves well. Mm-hmm. And then, then you can start to, you have, especially with like something like a clean, right? You, you move it well and the barbell almost tells you like, oh, you did that one right. Because it just kind of floats right to where it needs to go. It's not like this kind of herky jerky thing that just crashes on you and is like weird and uncomfortable. But so that's kind of my approach to having an older, like an older member than me. Like, cause yeah, like, well, you're 37. You're so much younger than me. I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, I still know what good quality movement is and what you kind of should and shouldn't be doing. You know, that's, again, that's our role. That's our job. Yeah. So. I love highlighting the focus on what you can do. Uh, at yeah. my last gym, we had a member who she was in her seventies, I think. And I think that's impressive enough to be in a CrossFit gym. You know, at that age, you're walking in through the door, you're doing the workouts. That's awesome. But after each class or during class, even she would always talk down to herself. She'd be like, oh, well, I'm not lifting as much as everybody else, or I can't do that. And I'm like, yo, (laughs) you like, but you can do this overhead press. Like, even if it's at your level, whatever weight that was. So I challenged her. I told her one, she was not allowed to talk shit about herself in my class. And two, at the end of every single class, she had to come up to me and tell me something she was really proud of doing. And I was trying to train her to actually recognize what you can do rather than, you know, focusing on yourself at this older age and being like, well, I can't do what everybody else is doing. Who cares? If you're moving your body, if you're doing some form of exercise and you're doing it at your capacity, that is still going to benefit you in the long run. Focus on that. So I love that piece that you mentioned. Well, and I also love that you said that just because I did say that to one of our members at 9am is, uh, Side note, I would love to do a podcast with you of of why women specifically just have this horrendous self-talk about themselves. Like, oh my God. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know if I'm qualified for that. Because I, don't know. I, I might be a little too masculine for that podcast. I don't know. But anyway, but but I actually, I said that to a member today. Um, I said, you know, hey, you should be proud of what you did today because- this person was struggling with their cleans and they go so far to say, Oh, I hate cleans. And I challenge them. I was like, do you hate them because you're, you're not good at them? Is that, is that what you think? And they said, well, yeah. I said, okay. So then they executed some amazing reps and really got the flow, really got the movement around the bar. So I told this person at the end, I was like, you should really be proud of what you did. And they stopped and they were like, thanks. I really appreciate that. I'm like, yeah, it, it looked great. You know, you clearly did what I asked you to do. So I think, I think I'll springboard that and try to utilize, utilize your, your cue a little bit more on that of like, you know, you should be proud of what you did today. Cause that was, that was great. You know? And then I, I will also put the Druism on and be like, you should be proud of that today. Cause you absolutely ruined my day. Absolutely. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's for me, that's for me in other situations, but. Right. Yeah. But I think, it, I think that's important. You know, I, <laughs> I always laugh. I, um, so my mom works out with me and one of my favorite stories is she came to a, a boot camp, more of a boot camp style class that was hosted at my CrossFit gym. Cool. And we're doing the workout. And at one point, one of the coaches goes up to her and tells her how to do something differently. And she just looks up at him and goes, no, <laughs> and just keeps doing what she's doing. And the the lesson. I'll be over here then. Thank you very much. Yeah, he was like, okay. He was like, number one, Diana, I see where you get it from. <laughs> Two, like the lesson to pull from that is my mom is really self aware, 
with what she can and can't do. And even as my client now, I do her workout programming. She's on the East Coast. So I don't get the pleasure of working with her, you know, in person, but she's very upfront with me on this is what my capabilities are. This is what I'm comfortable doing. You know, she does not want to get injured, but she's done a great job of keeping up with her workouts and doing what she's comfortable with and what she's confident with. And just the fact that she's doing that. And I think it's important to know your limitations. I think it's important to know what you're capable of doing as well. So that way you can push yourself to some degree, but then also being confident enough to step foot in a gym or to work with a trainer and actually continuously work out because you know, it's better for your health. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's really lucky. By the way, my mom would never, would never do any class with me. So that's really cool. Um, I think, you know, like training my dad, like I had, like I did for a little while, it, it, it's fun to be able to see specifically in your parents to sort of that confidence come through and something that we're so passionate about, you know, and I think it's probably to a certain extent why we got into coaching. You want to breed that confidence. You want to breed that success in other people, you know, and I think again, goes back to responsibility of that member, knowing what they're capable of, but also be aware of, you know, I think, I think you and I can attest, we have plenty of female athletes in our gym that would be very happy to deadlift with just the 10 pound plates for the rest of their mm -hmm. lives, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of members and men, men too, you need to be able to lean into what's challenging for you a little bit more. And also realize that with challenge comes, comes risk. Sure. But us as coaches, I think, take us, and Nas is definitely included in this too. I don't want to ever discount her, but but like I think the three of us do a really good job of putting someone in that challenge situation who can handle it. Yeah. We're not just throwing you in. We're not just throwing you into the fire and being like, <laughs> I mean, maybe sometimes, but I mean, <laughs> but uh, you know, to the to the right person, you know who you right are. Person. But um, but yeah, no, you know when we, when we tell you to put more weight on, it's not because, you know, we want to see you suffer. It's because, you know, you're, you're, you're missing the mark just a little bit with the right stimulus. Mm -hmm. And that's like that. I don't know about you, but I mean, like when you see that aha movement of like, or excuse me, aha moment of like someone doing a weight or doing a skill that they didn't have before, like, that's amazing. You know, like I can't wait till Madison's old enough and she just sees dad in the backyard why are you doing that with a barbell? And they're like, I don't know. Why? I don't know. I don't have it. Do you want to do it with me? And then, <laughs> and that, you know, and then she'll get into it to a certain monkey see a monkey do. Right. And so yeah. Yeah. it'll be really exciting to see her do that. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think members realizing that challenge that on the other side of challenge usually yields success and it usually yields, uh, you know, new opportunities that you, that they get to try new things and do new things. And, and I think, I think it's also too important to be able to do all this stuff because I think, I think, I think a lot of also society too will come into exercise because you're supposed to exercise, right. To stay healthy. But again, I think this lat, like I took a camping trip, uh, in, um, uh, what was it halfway through and, or like March of last year that was, it was motocrossing every single day. And the last time I threw my boat through my leg over a motorcycle, a dirt bike specifically, I was, I was 20 years old. That was the last time I rode a dirt bike. Well, there was 30 guys out there and I was the second fastest in the group. Now the guy who was the first fastest, he rides every week, multiple times a week. So I think what, what 
it's not about you have to exercise. If you exercise routinely and you lean into that challenge stuff and you lean into that recovery a little bit more, what happens is the things that you're really passionate about in your life are just going to get better. And I think that's I think that's an aspect of training, honestly, in society that gets lost. We're sure we're training because we want to look a certain way. We want to fit into a certain thing. We want to, you know, just feel a certain way. That's all good stuff. That's that's plenty of reason to train. However, if you really lean into it and really um, take it head on and really get passionate about training, it turns around that like other aspects of your life that you're really passionate about get so much better, whether it's playing with your kids, whether that's, you know, being able to carry all the groceries at once, which is totally cliche, but like, that's also a really cool feeling. You're like, I got everything in one trip. There's no need to go back out. Like that is always my challenge. That is always the thing I want to do is I I am no two, I am no two trip bitch. There's no (laughs) way you've seen the size of this. Like that's a big hand. I can get lots of things. But we're just, we're layering on the arms. You you (laughs) crush it girl. That's it. I love, I love it on farmer's walk trips or farmer's walk days where you just walk up and you scoop up the 70 and walk out the door. I'm like, that's that's it right there. That's so, it. yeah, I, I, but I just think that's a, you know, it's not, it's not, you have to train, you get to train, you get to do this, you get to train and realize that, you know, it's going to make everything else in your life so much better. If you really lean into the things that are difficult for you and really lean into self-care too, that's a big deal, you know, like, and you're so right. It's just, I would say a majority of people who lose time in the day is just because they're on some sort of electronic device of some kind, you know, like I, I love my phone as much as the next one. It's a tool. It's an amazing tool. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, all the capabilities they can do, you don't need, you know, it's amazing what it can do, but realize that it's also a tool for your recovery. It's not just a tool for memes, though. It is very good at that. I will say it's that memes, but it's also great. Yeah. Great at mobility and stretching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that is a great place to finish off. I love that final message of just, we get to do our fitness. Also, we get to do self-care, the importance of all of that, especially as we train through the ages. Um, Do you want to plug your social media or anything like that? No, I don't do it. You don't post Instagrams. I don't. (laughs) I don't. So if you want to hear more, come and talk to me. I'm a, I'm a great conversationalist. I, I will talk about anything with you forever. Forever. So I'm, I'll be happy to show you anything about GoWad if you would like to. But <laughs> I would like to know, how many times has Dave Sluss been on? Twice so far. Oh, oh, I really want to beat that, Diana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so we'll have to come up with more podcast conversations. But yeah, Dave has been on twice and... Our first episode together is still my top most listened to episode nice. of the podcast. That's so cool. he, is, he is the reigning champ of my uh, yeah. Well, he's a lot better looking than me anyway. So that's, you know, I got that going against me, but it's fine. It's what it is. So. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Your- Thanks for having me. It was great fun. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I am so happy to be a part of your health journey. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're now one step closer to ditching diet culture and finding real food freedom.